Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining BDO's podcast series, Getting to the Boardroom. I'm Nicole Ward-Parr, and in this series, I have the pleasure of hosting some of the most distinguished executives currently serving on public company boards to discuss their journeys and the paths that got them there. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Gavin Isaacs. Gavin is a serial executive and board member specializing in the gaming industry. He is currently on the board of directors of DraftKings, Inc. and Galaxy Gaming Limited. Gavin is also an advisor to Jackpocket, an online lottery app, and to Pure Software, a developer and talent source based in India. Gavin was previously the chairman of SB Tech and before that was vice chairman of the board of directors of Scientific Games. In these roles, Gavin was an integral in key strategic moves, including the three-way merger of SB Tech with DraftKings Limited and DEAC Limited. From 2014 to 2016, Gavin was president and chief executive officer of the $3 billion company Scientific Games, where he oversaw the gaming and lottery entertainment powerhouse that operated under a portfolio of successful brands, including Bally, Barcrest, Global Draw, SG Lottery, Shufflemaster, and WMS. Prior to joining Bally, Gavin served nearly eight years with Aristocrat Leisure Limited. During his tenure, Gavin held key management positions before being asked to move to the United States in 2003 as the America's president. In this role, Gavin orchestrated a momentous turnaround of the America's business. Just three years later, Aristocrat Americas became the largest financial contributor to the Aristocrat Group, posting record revenues. Before joining Aristocrat, Gavin served three years as a partner with the Australia law firm DLA Phillips Fox. Gavin holds bachelor's and master's degrees in law from the University of New South Wales and the University of Sydney, respectively. Gavin, what a unique and dynamic background you bring to the conversation today. Welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Nicole. Very nice introduction. Great. So good. So we are here to talk about all things board, right? And and I would love to hear from you. Uh, when you considered joining your first board, uh, did you have a strategy, a specific approach that you used, or did you leverage your network in a certain way? How did you come to be about board service? Well, my first boards were as a result of me being the CEO, and the CEO in those companies had uh, board roles. They were part of the board. You know, you, were a, you weren't an independent director, and when the independent director spoke, you left the room, et cetera, but you were on the board. And that was my first, I guess, experiences with boards. So, you know, there's that way, and, and that's pretty much how do you get there? You become the CEO. Um, but then let's talk about my CEO role. Uh, in one instance, you know, to become the chairman of SB Tech, uh, I, I had strategically decided where I wanted to focus my attention and met with several companies. And then um, one of the company's owners turned around to me very bluntly and directly and said, 
you know, you can assist me in driving this company globally and expanding into the American market particularly, and I want you to be my chairman. Um, and that was, um, again, that was a very specific um, meeting of the minds, I guess, if you will, for me and him, because, you know, I, I, this was in sports betting, and I decided that that's where America needed to go, find the best technology, and he had the same thing from the other approach. He wanted to go to America because he had the best technology. Um, so yeah, I, I think that you know you, when you're considering it, you need to have some kind of strategy. And my strategy was, uh, I've, I've got an area of expertise, be it gaming, be it everything associated with gaming, or more on the supply and technology side. And and there were certain things that I wanted to focus on. And once I stopped working full time, it was a question of basically finding the company with, and the right fit. That's great. And I think the takeaway I heard there was I mean, you had someone that was a champion uh, and that pushed for you and, and planted the seed, you know, hey, you would be great for this. I would like to partner with you. Um, and that's so valuable. Um, absolutely. Uh, it's more of a partner than a champion. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that it was a meeting of the mind because, you know, I was coming of it from the position I'm looking for a company where I can make a difference without being a full-time CEO, but basically give them strategic and, um, and tactical um, advice and assistance. Um, and he was looking for someone who could do that for him. So it was just a great meeting of the minds and, and very successful at the end. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And I think knowing the, your area of expertise and where you knew you would be able to add value um, is, is a huge part of that, it sounds like. On the flip side, you know, were there areas that you identified that, whoops, I'm going to need to brush up here, I'm going to need to enhance my skills there, you know, so that you were, you know, a, you know, a value add as a board member. Did any of that go on for you? I think, you know, getting to a board, not everyone on the board has the same skill. And uh, when you put together a board, I think you want some balance. Um, boards these days, and certainly my experience, you know, are driven pretty much, uh, a lot of the work is done at the committee level, be it the governance committee, the audit committee, compensation committee, compliance committee. And so, you know, specific skills are needed to be on each of those committees. You know, whilst I have a finance degree, I don't really want to be on the audit committee because I don't believe I'm up to speed with some of the requirements that are needed. You know, I think it's important for every board member to be able to read a balance sheet, but I don't think you need to be an expert finance person that I've been associated with. We've always had a partner from a, or, or a former partner from a large company, a large accountancy firm of some sort on our board to give us the expertise and the insights and the, and the benefits of their network uh, when it came to the finance side of it. Likewise, compliance, you know, I end up on a lot of compliance committees and boards because of my experience with gaming regulatory. Uh, so I think that it's important to understand the mix of roles and what you can bring to a board. Um, to come to the board and think, well, I'm just going to be a strategy expert. Right. And so from a preparation standpoint, it sounds like you came fairly prepared uh, to your role in the boardroom. Or were there things that you you felt, uh, you know, any anything else to augment, you know, your, your skill set? I think you can always learn, and I areas where you've got to be cognizant of responsibilities that are always changing, and then the the liabilities potentially, and all of that. And uh, when I first became CEO and was first put forward, I had a very supportive board, 
And I think three of them, but of, which was we only had a board of six or seven people, I can't remember. We went to a director's two or three day uh, conference and just sat there, learned some things that we you know, didn't consider. And I think those kind of things are very important. And I found them incredibly useful. So then in my day to day work going to conferences relating to what I do, you know, because it's an area where you really don't know until you start doing it and it's continu continuously listening to the experience of also, you know, keeping up to speed with the latest assignments for directors. I mean, I found that very useful. Excellent. And, you know, we hear a lot these days around diversity, uh, diversity and inclusion on boards. Uh, can you speak to that at all? What, what does that, what does diversity mean to you as it relates to the boardroom? Well, I think what it means to me and what it's currently being perceived as are not far apart, but they are a little bit different. Um, what it means today, though, it seems in some instances, and please don't take this the wrong way, is that um, we need to have more than just white males on our board. And, you know, I, it's, it's, on, it's fair to say that on every board I've been associated with, that, that is a, a constant reminder. You know, you get, there are rating agencies who review your performance as, as boards, like the ISS. Um, and if you don't have the right mix of gender and ethnicity, um, sometimes you get pinged as a director for it. So I think every board is looking at their composition and making sure they do have that mix. Um, to me, it, it, it means more than that. I think you need to have that, but you also need to have different ideas. And recently, in the last, I think, two years or so, or last less than that, 18 months, when I was looking to get on some boards, I found that uh, whilst I may have been qualified and very suitable for these boards, um, because they were going to some of these large funds for their investments, um, the next two directors had to be female, simply because the funds wouldn't invest in them unless 25% of their board was female. Interesting, which leads me right to my next question, which is how has the 21st century boardroom changed from your perspective, right? You know, how have the expectations of board members changed and evolved? Um, I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I think, you know, going, adding on to what I just said before, you know, the obviously the biggest thing is diversity. Um, one of the things that, I, I don't know, when I, was, when I started my career, I was 12 years as a commercial lawyer and I did a lot of advising for boards, etc. And um, in Australia, where I grew up, the system's a little bit more Hitlerian uh, in some ways, that, you know, like public company meetings are very important. They're not just uh, a perfunctory five-minute function held by companies as they are often in America. You know, you, you hire a hall at a large hotel and your shareholders turn up and, you know, the board are prepared and management's there and the board, and, and it's, they go for quite a period of time. There are lots of questions. Um, I've found that the role, you know, the boards I've been on are often dominated by either a major shareholder or a group of strong personalities. You know, quite often you're on a large board and there's an executive committee of, of like three or four of the more powerful ones who basically make all the decisions. So, you know, you've, that's been a real change to me. It's not what I expected uh, and what I was used to early on where the board was really engaged in every, in every decision. 
you delegate to a specific group of the members of the board. You know, if an acquisition comes in, then you delegate a specific group. Surely they report back to the board. But um, you know, it's not all of the board members who are getting involved in all of that stuff. So I think that's been a big change, and I think part of that is because of the roles and responsibilities and the the um, I guess the, the potential liability that you're opening yourself up to as a board member in this very litigious environment, uh, that you want to make sure that you do these things and you delegate them and it's all properly minuted, et cetera. But um, again, as a board member, if you can't just delegate away everything, you've got to be very cognizant and aware of what's going on around you. So in some ways, it's getting more complicated. Um, the diversity aspect, you know, I think is is not just on boards, but it's across the board now. That's that's the world we live in today, and that's you know that's part of fixing the imbalances and the prejudices of the past. Fair enough, and and very insightful. Um, well, I'd welcome any other thoughts, you know, sort of comments about the topic, or you know, potentially advice for folks that are listening that are aspiring to be on boards. Any thoughts? I think the first thing that you've got to ask yourself is, you know, what? Why do you really want to be on this board? Um, I think that the concept I want to, you know, I've had, I, was, I have a lot of people who contact me from the industry, you know, senior people who have either getting towards the end of their careers in management or are looking to get additional experience and want to get on board. And, and this is not an uncommon question. And the first thing I ask them is, you know, what, is it, what does it mean to be on a board? What do you think this board does? Why do you want to be on this board? Um, if you think it's just for power and glory and money, you know, forget about it. That's, that's the wrong way of thinking about it, particularly now with um, shareholder advocacy, advocacy groups who, who manage you know, every aspect of what the board does and what they get remunerated for. And, um, they might they write reports about you, which can be quite damning. So you know you've just got to be very aware of what you're going on for, and you've got to understand that uh, the makeup of the other of the other board members and the makeup of the board itself. You know, as I mentioned to you before, a lot of boards are dominated by a small group, if not one person, and the board members around them um, are there more for um, form rather than substance, if that makes sense. You know, obviously they need to do certain jobs and they're required to do certain jobs. But for me, when I originally thought about boards, we want to set the strategy for the company. And uh, I think it was put to me once, the, the job of the board is to approve the strategy and hire and fire the CEO. Well, you know, these days, some boards are getting way too much in the weeds in running the company. Um, I don't think that's the board's role. And other boards are a little bit too standoffish. Um, and leaving it either to a lead director or basically to the CEO to, to, to run their own ship. Uh, you often see that when uh, the CEO has multiple roles. So you've, you've got to really, really be careful about what you ask for, and you've got to go in with eyes wide open as to what the expectations are and what your expectations are for that board role. I think that's a great point. Clear expectations and understanding exactly where you're going to be able to add value uh, and what the context is that you're walking into, right? What are the uh, the, the, the dynamics that exist 
um, you know, what are the expectations, what are the goals uh, and objectives, and how can you support that, right? And and are you going to be able to support it? Uh, you know, I think are all... And, and is it something you want to support, or is it something right. that you, you know, consciously actually really don't believe in? And, and that's happened to me a few times. I've, I've left boards because, you know, for whatever reason, I just wanted to go in a different direction, or I didn't believe in their direction, or whatever it may be. And that's it's a very important aspect. You've got to you know, don't kid yourself going into these things. Make sure that you are very clear with your goals, your expectations, and their goals and expectations because uh, we've all, no matter be it a board role, an executive role, a junior role, you know, it, when, you, when someone wants you to join them, they can oversell and they can be very nice. And often uh, when you get in there, it's, uh, it turns out to be not quite what you were expecting. So I think it's very important at the board level even more so important at the board level because your your reputation is out there to be very to do your due diligence and understand exactly what you're going to do and what's expected of you. Yeah, the the interviewing goes both ways, right? So <laughs> Oh yeah. Fair oh, yeah. enough. Very important. Fair enough. And so what are some of the questions that I should have asked you that I didn't? Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap? Well, one of the things that we it's important is that sometimes people ask about uh, non-profits and whether public and non-profits, you know, whether it makes sense to, to go in it from that angle. Um, there are a lot of non-profit boards. I'm on a non-profit board. They're, they are different, but they're also the same. I mean, they have the same governance kind of uh, framework. There's usually audit committees. There's usually governance committees. Um, you, you look at the compensation. It's not quite the same. And of course, you're looking at it from a very different angle because they're not for profit. Um, but you do get good experience doing that. But my, my word of caution there is don't do it just to build your resume. Do it because you actually believe in what that nonprofit is doing. Uh, I think that if you just do it to build a resume, it'll be a very frustrating experience for you and them. But if you actually really do believe in what they're doing, then supporting them that way, it's a great way to do it and also get some experience which uh, I don't think hurts you when it comes to public company experience. Great point. Agreed. Well, Gavin, I can't thank you enough for your time and your insight, um, especially coming from the angle that you have as CEO. And um, it's it's been hugely insightful and helpful, the perspective, and I'm so grateful for your time. So uh, with that, thank you so much and uh, be well. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.